y'all. Welcome to the Y'all Show, talk with a southern accent. I'm your host, John Rawl. Hope you all are having a great Tuesday. We've got a very educational y'all today. In just a few minutes on the program, we're going to welcome in Dr. James C. Cobb, a retired professor at the University of Georgia, where he taught history for a number of years and penned many books, all of which tied into the South. And Dr. Cobb is going to be our guest. He also is a former president of the Southern Historical Association. And Dr. Cobb is going to come by and talk about some of the writing he's done for Time Magazine and Time.com. And we're going to find out some stuff about the South that you probably have no idea about when he comes on in just a few minutes with an incredible analysis, very detailed. Get your notebook and paper out for Dr. James C. Cobb coming up in this hour of the Y'all Show. In the second hour of today's program, keep that pen and paper handy because the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue is going to be back with us, and that's Matt Hermans. And Matt tells us that he's going to talk about some Alabama Q on today's episode of Y'all, as well as cleaning the grill. If you are neglecting your grill and you're wanting to get it ready for the big football season about to start, well, Matt has the perfect tips to get the barbecue grill ready for kickoff. That's coming up in hour two, plus we'll have our sports land yet. We've got some tennis talk, believe it or not, that we're going to tell you about in hour two. So much, much, much here offered on the Y'all program. Just thank you so much for being with us. Our number is 803-816-1170. We want to hear from y'all anytime we can. We'd love to get your analysis and your input. Let's dive into the happenings across the South. And a Dallas priest has now been accused of molesting three teenage boys, and he's now believed to have fled the country. The Catholic Diocese of Dallas revealed on Sunday they were investigating sexual abuse allegations made against 69-year-old Reverend Edmondo Paredes, and it appears that he has fled the country. Now, that is just the latest in a series of bad news going on with the Catholic Church. And we, we see where the Pope has come out and talked about the recent report that came from Pennsylvania. It is a very difficult time for the Catholic Church. And in Dallas, a priest who is accused of molesting teenage boys appears to have fled the country. In Florida, this is not sexual-related dealing with the Catholic Church, but this is just pure tea theft. A South Florida priest has resigned after being accused of stealing more than $200,000 from the church. Father Henrik Pollock has paid the money back to St. Coleman Catholic Church in Pompano Beach. The Archbishop, the Archdiocese of Miami said in a statement that he did that, but he still could face legal action after the church reported the incident to the state attorney's office. So taking $200,000 from the church in Florida, that Catholic priest. I don't know what's going on in the Catholic Church, but I know every religion's guilty of having bad people in it, but it seems like the Catholic Church is mounting up more and more headlines, and we'll pray for them. I mean, we, we don't want to, when a priest does something bad, oftentimes there are other people that were the victims of it. This case here, even on a theft case, people had their money taken for what they thought was the right reasons and serving God and purity theft got in the way. Uh, again, crime and bad people know no religious basis. Arlington National Cemetery is having a meeting tonight, a public meeting, where in Virginia they're coming together to determine if they were to uh, go forward on a plan 
to add 70 acres, a southern expansion of Arlington National Cemetery. And they're inviting the public to come out and have their opinion shared. If the cemetery doesn't expand, they're going to run out of room. And they're going to run out of room anyway. I saw something on CBS in not long ago with Major Garrett. Fantastic show he does, the Takeout podcast. And he had the director of Arlington National Cemetery on. And they're going to run out of room somewhere in the mid-2050s. They, they can't take more burials after that point in time. But, yes, Arlington National Cemetery planning a 70-acre southern expansion, and they're meeting tonight to determine what the public has to say about this. If successful, this ex- proposed expansion is going to be able to provide at least forty to 60,000 additional burial sites in our national cemetery in Arlington. Of course, there are other cemeteries all over the south, all over the country that are national cemeteries, but Arlington is is the cream de la cream, and it is the highest honor to be buried in that cemetery if you're able to be buried there. But many people who deserve to be there may choose not to be buried there. They want to be closer to where they're from or where they served. Or We've got heroes all over the world buried in national cemeteries that are served for combat and such. So we wish Arlington the best, a, a true major port, a major important part of our country and the people that are buried there, the the service members as well as the spouses that join them in eternal life buried there. We told you on the Monday, y'all, about the killing going on in Nashville, and they had a pair of people they were looking for. Well, it looks like on Monday, Nashville Metro Police were able to arrest Demontre M. Logston, age 20, as a possible suspect for a couple of murders that have been going on in East Nashville. And there's another suspect still on the loose, LaCroix Cotal Lytle, age 24. But a couple of deadly shootings going on in Nashville and Metro able to catch up with Logston at a residence on Dr. D.B. Todd Boulevard in Nashville. That's great news that if he indeed is the person committing these murders, at least one of the two in jail, hopefully the second suspect will be captured soon. South Carolina is a place that has lots of alligators. You may not know that, but if you don't know that, it is true, especially when you get around the low country area. And sadly, on Monday, a woman was walking her dog at Hilton Head, and the dog was attacked, and the alligator ended up attacking her and dragged her into a lagoon where she was killed. The Beaufort County Sheriff's Office received a call around 9.30 in the morning on Monday about a possible alligator attack near a lagoon in Sea Pines Plantation on Hilton Head Island, and that is a resort community. Officers arrived and discovered the woman's body inside the lagoon, and the alligator had killed it. So no word on who the woman's name is at this point, but it's, she is the s- woman is the second person to die from an alligator attack in South Carolina history. That's hard to believe. And history? I mean, there's a lot of alligators in South Carolina. I just told you that. There's a lot of alligators in different parts of the South. I mean, alligators I know have even been spotted in places like Tennessee, which isn't exactly gator territory. But according to this report coming out of South Carolina, only the second one in history? That, that seems seems rather odd. But they're big, and they can be very dangerous. And we, we uh, are very sad to hear that a woman died Monday in South Carolina as a result of an alligator attack. 
In Mississippi, they have people going after each other in Jackson, and that is called the Mississippi State Capitol. That's where people go after each other. And the governor has called a special session of the Mississippi legislature going on right now. Very unusual move. And one of the reasons the special session was called was to find out how Mississippi can get through some transportation problems. They've had enormous road issues in the Magnolia State. And one way they're looking at trying to resolve Mississippi's budgetary problems is to add a state lottery. Well, on Monday, the House Speaker, Philip Gunn, says he won't block a proposal from the lottery from passing his chamber if the votes are there among Republicans. And he is a Republican from Clinton, Mississippi, just to the west of Jackson. And so here's a very conservative politician who sometimes has cited religious reasons for his justification, but he's saying he will not block this measure at least in the state house in Mississippi from going forward if the lottery is looking like it could happen. I know Alabama doesn't have a lottery. Mississippi doesn't have a lottery. Those may be the only so-called deep south states without any kind of lottery. Virtually every other state that I'm aware of, possibly Arkansas doesn't have one, but I know Tennessee's got one, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Everybody else just about has a lottery, and I don't think the people in those other states are less religious than than people in the good states of Alabama and Mississippi, but uh, trying to get some money, and lotteries are a way to do it. Of course, Mississippi's got legalized gambling, and we now know that they can offer sports gambling in Mississippi as of a couple of weeks ago. The State House Speaker says, bring it on if you got the votes. I'll sign it. I'll move it on along. In Alabama, there's something called the Invisible Histories Project that has started in Birmingham, and this is a nonprofit group gathering volumes of information about gay life in Alabama. And they're soon going to expand to Mississippi and Georgia, collecting all kinds of data about being gay in the South. And that's something we don't think of maybe too often, especially if you're not gay, but it's been, it's been a, a fight and struggle for people who are gay and people that are part of the gay pride movement. And there's an organization now called the Invisible Histories Project that is collecting all this data. I was kind of scanning through something, and this is, seems a little weird and hard to believe, but according to this project, back in 2002 in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, a sting happened by the local authorities there, and they arrested 20 men accused of cruising for gay sex in a police endeavor in Tuscaloosa. I don't think that would happen now, but not all that long ago, they arrested 20 people cruising for gay sex in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And that's part of the whole research project going on that will expand to other states. Bob Burns is the one helping lead this effort in the Yellowhammer State. In LSU country, this is a state, Louisiana, that has had a tremendous budget problems at the state level, and it trickled down to the universities as well. Well, it was just announced that LSU faculty and staff are going to get a 3% pay raise this school year. That's quite a feat since they just got a pay raise back in September, a pay raise for faculty and staff and those hourly employees at Louisiana State University. So they're getting big money. I don't know where it's coming from. Money must grow on the bayou and on sugarcane fields in Louisiana. But, yeah, this is big news if you're an LSU faculty member getting a raise. Now, those same faculty members did not go we went without a raise for four years, but it's all being caught up now. And good news if you're on the staff there in Baton Rouge.
And as we move on on the headline, speaking of SEC schools, uh, the Florida Atlantic Owls are the defending champs of the Conference USA football program that they they won the title with Lane Kiffin, former Alabama assistant, former Tennessee head football coach. Well, this was a funny quote that I saw where one of the star players for FAU, senior cornerback Herb Miller, made a declaration over the weekend, and he said, all of a sudden, FAU is the Alabama of Florida. Everybody wants to come here now. Now, keep in mind, Herb, that UCF won supposedly a national championship for being undefeated last year just up the road in Orlando. So I'm not sure the Knights fans would agree with your statement that FAU is the Alabama of Florida. But he's proud to say that. And we're going to have a lot of sports talk coming up in a little bit on the show. We'll have our sports land yet where we'll tell you some news about not only Alabama, but also we've got some news going on with the former quarterback of Georgia, Mike Bobo. He's been in some health issue, health concerns. We've got an update on that and much more coming up in our sports land yet in hour two. In Atlanta, a gas station raid by police has yielded a coffee maker, a cappuccino maker to be exact, that had drugs inside of it. Yeah, this gas station was found by Metro by Atlanta police, and this was at a Chevron in southeast Atlanta, raided earlier in the month, and they were trying to figure out what in the world was going on, and police found drugs in the cappuccino machine shelves and amid potato chips. They also found crack and cocaine at this Chevron. So when you go in to pay for your tank of gas, you can get a cup of cappuccino and a pocket full of crack cocaine, I guess, there at that Chevron. Well, no more. They've shut it down. And finally, in Georgia, a mother was arrested. This gets the D-U-M-M, Dumb Person of the Day Award. This Georgia mother was arrested after she called 911 to report she left her son locked in a hot car. Alejandra Suarez, 26 years old, called 911 after she accidentally left her three-year-old unattended in a vehicle for nearly three hours, according to the Gainesville Hall County Sheriff's Office. She told police she dropped off her two other children at the grandmother's house and her son fell asleep in the car. This Gainesville woman left the grandmother's house without realizing her son was still inside the vehicle, and it wasn't until some time later after she returned home that she found the boy, and it looks like he's okay. That is an amazing thing. But yes, she goes to jail after calling 911 on herself for locking her kid in a car. Alejandra, you are (laughs) D-U-M-M. When we come back, we'll keep our attention in the Peach State as we'll welcome in from the University of Georgia a retired history professor and an expert on all things Southern, Dr. James C. Cobb. He's going to come on and tell us about some trends in the South and much, much more. That's ahead on Y'all with John Rawl. Whether you brew the craftiest beer or offer the sharpest haircuts in town, we've got the right business cards to promote what makes your business great at Vistaprint. And right now, we're offering 500 custom cards starting at just $9.99. You can choose everything about your card, the shape, the paper, and you can design it yourself or ask for a little help from our support team. So get the most bang for your and head to Vistaprint.com to get 500 business cards starting at $9.99. Use promo code 7373 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 7373. 
Hey there, I'm a glue stick, so I have one job. I glue kid stuff. So sorry for being jealous of Geico, who does a ton more. Like give you 24-7 access to thousands of licensed agents. And Geico has been around for over 75 years and has a 97% customer satisfaction rating. While I've just got mediocre adhesive skills, Geico also has an award-winning mobile app. Uh-oh, arts and crafts time. No eating the glue stick. Miss Lydia! Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. And welcome back to Y'all, the show that's all about the South. We like to talk, but we do it with a Southern accent. Yeah, there's a double meaning there in case you're you're wondering. Well, here on the Y'all Show with John Raw, we are very excited to have a very special guest with us right now. He is James C. Cobb. He's joining us, and he is the Spalding Distinguished Professor Emeritus in the Department of History at the University of Georgia. And Dr. Cobb, if it's okay with you, can I just call you Dr. South? That'd be all right with me. I've been called a lot worse. (laughs) Well, you have been writing about the South a long time, and we're going to kind of tap into your mind and kind of feel some of that goodness here in our interview with you today. First off, how in the world did you get involved with the South and, like me, have a passion for it? Well, you know, I grew up in the... um, um, Northeast Georgia, out in the country, and uh, um, so you know, I'm um, you know, I'm very steeped uh, in the you know the, the traditions. I grew up in the age before uh, uh, last few years before the civil rights movement. So I you know I I had a you know had that experience as part of my background, and then saw all the changes that uh, you know came with the, the civil rights movement, and then the kind of uh, you know the, the pickup of the southern economic development and um, um, changes in southern politics and it all just kind of fascinated me and so uh, I thought well you know if it's possible to uh, make a living by by uh, you know talking teaching and writing about all this then why not yes sir <laughs> and what? somehow I managed to right what town are you from in northeast Georgia I'm from a little place called Hartwell, which is right on the South Carolina line. Yes, it's, sir. Uh, in fact, I you know I basically almost feel as though I grew up in uh, Anderson. Anderson, yeah, because yeah. we got the newspaper and TV from Anderson and um, in South Carolina. So great lake there, Hart- Lake Hartwell on the Georgia South Carolina border. So you matriculated to Athens. You got three degrees from the University of Georgia. If they offered uh, anything higher than a PhD, you probably would get that from UGA, huh? Well, yeah, that, I think they'd wised up by the time they gave me a big <laughs> too, though, so I probably wouldn't have been able to get another one. What is the current number of books you've written thus far? You know, I, it just sounds like an affectation, but I never can, you know, if you're talking about number of books I've published, I think it might be something, maybe 13 is right, but I've, I've you know, written a number of books kind of, you know, as the sole author, and then I've written pulled together stuff from other people and and you know edited it and presented it so uh um it's uh, um uh, i think there are probably about 13 books that are you know you'd find if you google me but uh uh they're 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 kind of in different 
formats. Sure. Uh, now, we're visiting with James C. Cobb at UGA today on the Y'all Show. Dr. South, as I've given him that moniker. And this is not a question that I've researched at all, so forgive my ignorance in asking such a question, but I'm here in the classroom raising my hand, sir. How does the University right. of Georgia's history department stack up with other programs in the South? I have no clue who's the more prestigious history programs in our in our region. So go ahead and brag on UGA or any of the other Southern universities that are known for their history programs. Well, uh, the University of, of, of Georgia's history uh, department is, uh, you know, is is really one of the, you know, it's, it's one of the, the departments that have been on the rise of, over the last generation, uh, particularly, uh, and uh, in Southern history, it's all it's it's been strong for quite a long time in in Southern history, and uh, uh, and it. it uh, it remains very, very strong. Probably, you know, the, the, the University of North Carolina has uh, uh, legendarily been the place you go to to study Southern history. But um, I think probably, uh, you know, there's there's less of a Southern focus today at at, um, at uh, in Chapel Hill uh, than there, there might have been, you know, even 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably that a little bit of that is true too up at uh, at Virginia, okay. uh, and so uh, and our you know the, the history department at University of Georgia is smaller, um, and so it uh, you know it, it's it, it's more prone to sort of concentrate on fewer fields than than you know departments twice as big. So uh, you know the uh, I, I would say that that our forte is you know would still be uh, seen as Southern history, although we have excellent people in a number of other what I call peripheral fields like European history. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, when you're not in the classroom and, and, and giving lectures and stuff like that, you also are a writer, and that's one of the reasons we're contacting you on the Y'all Show because you are a contributor at Time Magazine and Time.com, and you've got a whole bunch of articles. I'm just going to read a few of the recent articles that they have on Time.com that you penned. One is The Other Side of Confederate Memorial Day. You've got an article called What We're Missing About Emmett Till's Impact on the World. Also, Cleansing America's Cleansing American Culture of Ties to Slavery Will Be Harder Than You Think. And there are plenty of other ones that James C. Cobb has penned for time. And I'm going to ask you about this article now. The latest one that you have on time is What the State of the American South a Half Century Ago Revealed about the whole country's future. How in the world did you come up with this article and give us a little taste of what it's about? Well, the uh, the people at Time, they, they, I don't know if you see it on the newsstand, but they, the, the print issue of Time, uh, most recent one, I think, uh, it may not be the most recent one now, but uh, was uh, uh, dedicated to the South and uh, you know the, the cover is and and the material in it, and so they asked me to sort of uh, write about, uh, um, you know, what had um, uh, the, um, the last time they, they thought the last time that time had done this in 1964, when when it had an issue predominantly devoted to the uh, uh, to the South, and um, what did it say about the things they were talking about in 1964, uh, you know, what did it say about how far the South had come or how the way we talk about the South had changed? And so 
uh, and the reason Time had devoted the 1964 issue to to the South was that uh, they they were uh, they were focusing in on the very first week that the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was in effect, mm-hmm. and uh, they wanted to to sort of see how the South responded to it. And uh, you know, this is this is ancient history, uh, uh, probably to 80 percent of your of your listeners, but it all seems still very recent and vivid to me. But the the um, you know, there uh, it was ten years, 1964. The, the Supreme Court in 1954 had declared that school segregation, uh, uh, legally mandated school segregation, was unconstitutional. But in ten years, uh, uh, all they managed to do is get about one percent of the black pupils in the states affected by that decision into schools with whites. So the uh, school segregation had pretty much been staved off in 1964, but the the Civil Rights Act uh, came in and just in a you know in an instant declared that you could no longer that restaurants could no longer refuse uh, uh, black diners, uh, hotels could not refuse uh, uh, lodging to black people, and just uh, you know in in one fell swoop it sort of you know struck down to Two of the biggest taboos uh, that that you know Jim Crow culture in the South held, and that those were, of course, uh, you know blacks and whites eating together or uh, eating in the same room together or uh, uh, lodging under the same roof. So uh, there had been warnings from a lot of you know well-intentioned Southerners that that you know stuff like this, just trying to do it overnight, would create a race war, and you know there'd be violence everywhere. Well. You know, there was, uh, there were some outbreaks of violence, some, you know, uh, uh, some nasty stuff, but not, uh, the, the, the overwhelming response seemed to be one of, uh, of, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily acceptance, but acquiescence. That is, you know, uh, you know, we, this is the law. We can't fight this anymore. And, uh, and of course that was, uh, that was viewed as a very positive sign by the writers in, uh, writers in time, uh, and, and uh, so, uh, but but they no no one could have known at that point how much the South was about to change, and not only was the South going to change, but the way the South stood in relation to the rest of the country was going to going to change. Because at, at that point, you know, you got these you know Time and Newsweek, and New York Times were all they'd write periodically, devote a lot of space to writing about the South, you know, kind of chronicling the. South efforts to, you know, get to the point of catching up with the rest of the country and to, mm-hmm. to be, you know, be as uh, as enlightened and progressive as the rest of the country. And and uh, uh, between uh, uh, beginning in 1964, uh, forces were set in motion that that changed the the national perspective on the South, uh, as well as changing the South itself. And uh, uh, so I, uh, uh, I I took took that line, uh, and uh, uh, the time, as it turned out, had devoted uh, in September of 1976 with uh, Jimmy Carter bearing down on the you know White House. Uh, you know the, the presidential campaign was on, underway. Time had uh, again uh, devoted an issue to the South, and this is 12 years after the uh, 1964 edition, but. 
spouse that came across and uh, in that edition was was not this backward you know millstone around the nation's neck. I mean, it was the it was the hot place to be. It was where people were moving. It was where people were investing, uh, and um, and it was uh, uh, you know, and it was it was uh, you know, it had had gotten past the the integration of its schools and facilities and and what have you, and uh, had really you know uh, shown remarkable progress uh, uh, on, in race relations compared to what you saw in the rest of the country, which uh, beginning in 1964, uh, the first of what would be several years of uh, urban race riots in in northern cities uh, uh, began, and uh, which sort of took the sort of under uh, undercut the whole notion of, uh, of northern ideas on race being so much more enlightened than uh, in the South. And um, the uh, uh, and then the uh, with the, the economic changes that were taking place globally and nationally, the uh, the old uh, manufacturing belt that had had been kind of the core of, of the, the northern economic power began to began to rust. In fact, it was it was called soon dubbed the Rust Belt because it was losing factories and jobs and people. Uh, in in record numbers, uh, and and these people were uh, largely moving, leaving there, moving to the south where it was cheaper to live, the the, the weather was better, and um, um, you know the, the the living conditions were better, uh, and so um, uh, the, the the whole gravity, the center of gravity of the country had shifted uh, to the south in the space of those. Uh, of those 12 years. So, um, I sort of just, just hooked into this idea of how that, the idea of the, uh, the way the nation looked at the South had changed during this period. And of course it's continued to change, uh, since 1976. We're visiting with James C. Cobb here on the y'all show. And he is with the university of Georgia professor and has been a writer for a long time about the South. We're going to talk to him more after this break. Hang on. Get your paper out. Take notes. We're going to be right back with Dr. Cobb as we continue our Our South discussion on y'all. The Samsung Galaxy Note 9 has arrived at Sprint. For a limited time, get the super-powerful new Samsung Galaxy Note 9 at 50% off with a Sprint Flex lease. It's the fastest Note ever, and you can get it on a network built for unlimited. The Samsung Galaxy Note 9 is also perfect for gaming. Take your Fortnite skills to a new level with the largest battery ever seen in a Note. Along with a 6.4-inch edge-to-edge infinity screen and stereo speakers, Galaxy Note 9 also features a smarter camera and a mightier S Pen with remote control. Make the switch to Sprint right now and get the Samsung Galaxy Note 9 at 50% off with a Sprint Flex lease. Plus, get annual upgrades with Galaxy Forever. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com slash Samsung, or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Note 9, 2083 per month after 2084 per month. Credit applied within two bills. Requires new line and 18-month lease. Early termination results and remaining balance due. Upgrade after 12 lease payments. Offer coverage not available everywhere. Excludes taxes. Requires qualifying plans. Subject to credit. $30 activation fee and restrictions apply.
gets hotter than a hoochie-coochie We laid rubber on the Georgia asphalt We got a little crazy, but we never got caught And we are back on Y'all, the show that's all about the South. And our special guest here with me, John Rawl, is James C. Cobb. And Dr. Cobb is a Southern writer, and he's all about the South as well. We've been discussing some of his work that's on Time.com and in the special Southern edition of Time magazine that recently came out. And, Dr. Cobb, I wanted to ask you, the 1964 issue that we mentioned in the previous segment that Time put out about the South, it had William Faulkner on the cover. The 1976 cover of the special Southern edition was sort of a hybrid of the U.S. and Confederate flags together. I haven't seen the image of this special edition of 2018. What What is on the front of this latest Southern edition? I believe it has um, uh, a, a shot of... Uh, um, Stacey Abrams, who is the black woman who is running for governor uh, on the Democratic ticket in Georgia, okay. and uh, you know, I think the clear message is, uh, you know, here's the, here's the South really, really changing, uh, or or really changed. Um, um, I haven't actually uh, picked up the issue my, myself, but right. um, that's that's what that's what I understand. So uh, you know, it was a uh, uh, it was kind of an interesting. Uh, if you think about those covers, I mean, Faulkner was, the, you know, the, cited as the main guy who could, uh, if anybody could help us understand what was still going on in the South. And uh, even though Faulkner had, had died a couple of years before, uh, uh, 1964, but, uh, and then the, you know, the 76 one was, you know, here's the South merging with the rest of the country with, you know, the Confederate flag and the U.S. flag. So, um, um, the, um, you know, I, I don't know how many. I, I don't know if there's any other state uh, at this this year it's, uh, that has a black woman running who actually is a, a major party nominee for the governorship. Uh, but you know, Georgia Georgia happens to, so uh, I'm, I'm suspecting that's why she was the choice. Why do you think Stacey Abrams is the first major party nominee? I think that is a black female running for governor in a U.S. state. Well, um, it's, uh, you know, there, it's complicated. Obviously, the, you know, there's, uh, it, it won't come as any revelation to anybody that there's still resistance, uh, uh on, on racial grounds, uh, here in the South, as there, as there obviously is practically everywhere else mm-hmm. to having the you know, black candidates for major, uh, um, political offices. Um, but the, there, beyond that, there's, uh, you know, the, the in the South, the, the party establishments, uh, people used to say that, you know, uh, 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 you, uh, you scratch a Southern Democrat and all you find is a Republican all along. Southern Democrats were historically, um, you know, and, and a lot of this is done before black people are really allowed to vote in great numbers right. uh, in, in the, before the Voting Rights Act in 65. So... Uh, so the establishment is kind of, you know, it still has a kind of a lingering, <coughs> you know, conservatism and inertia that that makes it has made it hard for black candidates to, um, you know, to pursue statewide offices even even further down uh, the ticket. The, I think the South, um, even so, the South has more black people holding statewide elected office than than any other part of the country, but. Uh, What's happened in Georgia, of course, is that you know the the, uh, 
the, the concentration of uh, black population in Atlanta and um, the the influx of uh, of uh, you know more liberal voters uh, from other parts of the country, uh, as well as the influx of, of uh, uh, immigrants from other parts of the world, has uh, created a little bit more diverse political mix in the state and uh, um, the uh, you know the the, the uh, black voters in Georgia uh, uh, are can you know are are pretty good about you know getting organized to support candidates uh, and particularly a, a you know uh, a black candidate mm-hmm. so um, the um, uh, Abrams won the, uh, the you know the primary nomination over a, a white woman who was you know really quite a moderate in her own uh, position but uh, you know she was the the pull of 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 you know having a a, a person who looks like you, uh, you know, in the governor's office, uh, certainly helped uh, Stacey Abrams to to you know, get the great overwhelming majority of, of black support, and and you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, white Democrats uh, in the southern states are you know they're 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 not exactly on the endangered species list, but uh, you know it's getting close, and. Um, and so, the, you know, it's basically the, uh, a strong, organized core uh, in the Democratic Party. And, you know, once you get that and, and it gets some momentum, then, you know, it can sort of put a minority candidate, uh, you know, up near the top of the ticket. But mm-hmm. it, that, but that's what it takes. And that nominee that was up against Stacey Abrams was Stacey Evans from Ringgold, Georgia, who is a Georgia state representative and a savvy person that's a lawyer. And, and Abrams took care of business there. We'll see what happens in November when the general election right. comes about. Now, of course, politics is just one of the things. Tell us about some of the other cultural things that you bring in in your writing about the South outside of politics. Do you get into food and music and all that, too? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, yeah, I do, uh, you know, a lot of writing here and there and, and uh you know, have written uh, and, and and bring in you know, food and music and literature to uh, a lot of the more general kind of writing I do uh, about the the South because I think you know uh, the all those things in one way or another are are defining aspects of of Southern identity and and so you know when you when you, you can you look at country music. Uh, you know, you can you can go through country music, and you can sort of uh, follow rural white Southerners through the you know, the kind of transition to you know struggling to survive on the land, to being forced to leave the land and move into the cities, and and uh, you know the experiences and the you know the trauma and the uprooting that that all brought is uh, you know I think uh, country music captures that. Uh, Beautifully down to the point now, you know, where, where, you know, if you, you know, all you do is look out your window, uh, uh, in the South and you're going to see guys, uh, uh, who are not, you know, they're, they're not, uh, uh, they're, they're not lusting after Porsches. They want the, the biggest, uh, <laughs> uh, F, F-150 with all the uh, trimmings that they can, uh, they can get. And so, you know, country music now is, you know, the pickup truck is, a, is iconic in, uh, 
in country music uh, now, you know, the, the, the jingles, the music they use for the commercial, they use country stars as spokespeople. So, uh, you know, it all kind of uh, comes together. And, 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 you know, so these are people who, who, you know, who they may not be able to afford them, but they're buying, you know, $60,000 <laughs> pickup trucks and then sort of celebrating the lifestyle that, that goes with, uh, with having a vehicle like that, you know. So, uh, I just uh, I I've always thought that that looking at at changes in in you know the music uh you know the and of course the blues uh coming largely out of the out of the delta uh basically sort of merges with with country music uh to form you know what rockabilly which of course becomes basically rock and roll and so you you get what is you know the probably the most you know dynamic movement in the history of American music, popular music, uh, coming out of the South as a as a hybrid of of the South's two principal musical forms. We're visiting with James C. Cobb. He's the Spalding Distinguished Professor of History Emeritus at the University of Georgia, and he's a former president of the Southern Historical Association. You can find his work all over the place in books, but also at time.com. Search for his name. You'll find plenty of great articles, and you'll learn a lot more about the South. Here on the Y'all Show, Dr. Cobb, we like to promote the South. We, we in the South, we have a very unique portion of American history. We've been here since the founding of the country in states like Georgia and the Carolinas and Virginia, and we've had a a great role, and we're a large part of this country. The South's about 43% of the American population, but we also get picked on by the other regions at times, and I don't like that. So I want to ask you, when you're around other professors from all over the country, what do you say to kind of make them sit back down in their chair when they want to come attack our region? Well, um, you know, I uh, uh, believe me, the academic profession over the years, I mean, and it's gotten much, much, much better. You know, when I when I sort of broke into it in the mid-70s, uh, the, the whole stereotyping of the South was still, you know, incredibly, uh, you know, blatant, and, and uh, people, you know, didn't, and they didn't worry about uh, offending you in the least, uh, and talking about you know how backward and ignorant uh, the South was, and uh, so you know I, I quickly sort of uh, developed a, uh, a thick uh, uh, skin about that, but also uh, a uh, a sort of uh, you know a, a I guess sort of ironic or or even sarcastic uh, uh, means of. Uh, uh, sort of replying, you know, when they would point to, uh, you know, something backward uh, uh, about this or something happened, you know, it, it still is. It's a lot, lot less prevalent than it was. But you know, when some racial atrocity happens somewhere in a northern state, uh, you know, somebody's going to say, "Well, this is kind of thing that that you know happens in Mississippi, not New York." Uh, and uh, uh, you know, I try to say something like, "Well, you know, yeah, it was." I, I, by my observation, it seems to be happening uh, in in New York uh, uh, at least as frequently as it's happening in Mississippi. So you may have to change your uh, change your tune or change your appraisal uh, uh, about it. But uh, it's kind of you know it, it's fun. Playing with Yankees is is lots of fun. They uh, 
you know, they, they, they love, Jarrett Faulkner said that, uh, you know, they were prepared to believe anything about the South. Uh, it didn't have to necessarily be bad. It just had to be uh, bizarre and strange. <laughs> and, 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 and so, you know, you can, uh, I always kind of love playing to, uh, playing to their stereotypes. And, uh, uh, you know, I had a, I had a reporter one time who was writing a, a piece, uh, I think for New York Times Magazine about, uh, uh, Northerners coming down to rescue, uh, abandoned dogs in the South. Really? And, and so, uh, you know, I, I, uh, um, and, and this was kind of, you know, it was, a, it was, it was starting with the premise. Well, you know, we, you know, this is not, uh, how is it in the South that people don't care, uh, about their dogs? I mean, what's wrong with you people? And, uh, and so I, th- I thought, okay, this is, uh, this time to lay it on tape. So I said, well, you know, we, we, you know, we Southerners, we, you know, we still hang on to frontier traditions and, and, you know, we, we view dogs as animals that should be able to take care of themselves. You know, they, uh, 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 we just, we don't see that, that, that there should be, you know, that level of care and attention to them. Um, it's just part of our, our rural, uh, heritage. And I could just hear the keyboard just slapping, you know, she's just going crazy trying to get all this down. And what I didn't tell her was at the time, I had just paid about $3,000 to have ACL surgery on one of our dogs. (laughs) (laughs) But she bought that old kind of, you know, country, uh, country hit explanation that, you know, just, it's just, you know, these folks are not, not living in the modern world, uh, because it was such an appealing, easy stereotype Mm. for her. I guess they think we all have barbecue dog in addition to everything else we barbecue here in the South. Who knows? Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I hope that's gotten a little better, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not gone entirely. <laughs> well, we, we know that stupidity and backwardness knows no geographic boundary. James C. Cobb, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. No, I, uh, uh, I was going to say, you know, it's, it's um, uh, you know, Louis Grizzard had a saying about, uh, uh, it's one thing to, to, to say that the South has more than its share of people, uh, as, as Louis used to say, who think the moonshot's fake and wrestling's real. Uh, but uh, that, that's not to say it's got all of them. <laughs> you know, you, there's no better interview that can end with a Louis Grizzard quote. A no. UGA alum, just like you. everything. Yes. Yes, yes, he is. God God bless his soul, which is ashes scattered there at Sanford Stadium. Is that where your ashes are going to be scattered? I doubt they let my ashes in uh, (laughs) Sanford Stadium. I mean, I'm there, although my body's been there a lot. Okay. Uh, All right. Hey, I got to ask you, I'm I'm certainly not on the the highest level of this scale, so uh, it's okay if you're not up there either, but... Before we get out of here, we were talking about trucks. James C. Cobb, what will we we see you driving around Athens and Clark County in if we saw you on the highway? You asked the perfect question. A 1994 GMC Sierra 4x4 with 110,000 miles oh. on it and no paint. <laughs> so you do have a pick-em-up truck. I absolutely do. Wow. I you, absolutely do. You are more Southern than me. I only have a Chevy Tahoe. 
So I, I can't uh, go mud. And although it is a four-wheel drive, I... Well, that's something. Yeah, but I, I don't have any desire to go out mudding or anything like that. But but I do have plenty of country music blaring from the speakers, so at least maybe well, that gives me some credibility. Thank you yeah, very much. Well yeah, thank for you. you for taking time to talk to us here on the Y'all Show. It has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Oh, my pleasure entirely. Thanks for thanks for thinking of Keep that pad and paper handy. We had a great discussion here with Dr. Cobb, but when we come back in hour two, you need to have those notes ready as we'll bring on Matt Hearmans, the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue, to talk all things Southern grilling and Southern barbecue. He's got a special emphasis today on the state of Alabama. And we'll have our sports lanyard ahead, too. This is Y'all with John Rawl. Keep it locked here. Whether you brew the craftiest beer or offer the sharpest haircuts in town, we've got the right business cards to promote what makes your business great at Vistaprint. And right now, we're offering 500 custom cards starting at just $9.99. You can choose everything about your card, the shape, the paper, and you can design it yourself or ask for a little help from our support team. So get the most bang for your... And head to Vistaprint.com to get 500 business cards starting at $9.99. Use promo code 7373 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 7373. I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to GEICO. I've never felt more alive. Disclaimer, GEICO cannot guarantee you will feel more alive. You either possess functioning respiratory and circulatory systems, or you do not, or you are a zombie. If you are indeed a brain-starved zombie and you would like to save money on car insurance, the GEICO legal team applauds your excellent life choices, even in your shambling afterlife. But we strongly encourage you to visit GEICO.com or download the GEICO app. Please stay a minimum of 500 feet away from our large and presumably delicious, delicious brains. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Y'all, the show about the South. We're back with you here, talking all things Southern on this program for you, by you, and about you. I'm your host, John Rawl, and this is Hour 2 of Tuesday's Y'all program. Hold on to your barbecue instincts, because in just a little bit here on the program, we're going to have all of the barbecue goodness from Matt Hearmans, the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue. He's stopping by, and he tells me... Get ready for this, Alabama. He tells me that he's been looking at the Yellowhammer State for some good barbecue joints. And I hope he didn't take the easy route and pick the like two most famous ones that I can think of. And I don't want to share it with you in case you don't know the two most famous Q joints in Alabama. But they are pretty famous. One more famous than the other. One is offers a style of barbecue I've never seen anywhere. <laughs> so... Maybe Matt will have a, a, a tip or two on that. Maybe we can drag some Big 12 football talk out of him as well as we're inching closer to the start of college football season in just a few days, really. And we talk football all the time on the Y'all Show. We've got some football talk right now that I'm going to get to. But want to remind you also that on Wednesday, tomorrow's show, we'll have an ACC report. On Thursday, we'll have an SEC report. So that is a lot of football that we're going to cover each and every day now that we're semi-officially into the start of college football. Now, on Tuesdays, we have what we call the Sports Lanyard, where we try and give you some love to other sports and other things that we don't often get to on the show. But there's some big news coming from the SEC or related to the SEC that we wanted to first tell you about on the Y'all Show. 
Shea Patterson was the quarterback at Ole Miss in 2016 and 2017. Came on late in 2016, did a good job, was quarterback in 2017, got hurt, had to go off, uh, and the Hawaiian came in at quarterback and helped lead them to wins against Mississippi State to close up the season. Well, Shea Patterson, after all of the controversy in the Mississippi athletic program caused by Hugh Freeze and others, he decided to transfer away from University of Mississippi. And of all places, Shea Patterson, who grew up in North Louisiana, most thought he would end up at LSU, but he ended up choosing the University of Mississippi. And the Mississippi Land Sharks won't be having him at quarterback this year because Patterson is transferred and, and has successfully transferred and fought for his transfer to happen immediately to the University of Michigan. Michigan! And Jim Harbaugh announced yesterday that Shea Patterson will be the Wolverines team starter against Notre Dame in the season opener. And that's big news for Shea Patterson. Again, here's a guy that during 10 games in his time in the SEC, he threw for 2,259 yards and 17 touchdowns. And he beat out returning starter Brandon Peters in Ann Arbor for the job that a lot of people came in for. So give this Louisiana native a lot of credit for going all the way up to Michigan and successfully transferring and getting a chance to be the starting quarterback when Michigan opens the season on that big day, September 1st, when they travel to number 12 Notre Dame under the lights at South Bend to start the season. And that's a rivalry. I don't know why those two Yankee teams don't play every year, but they don't, Michigan and Notre Dame. They play sometimes like once a decade, but they don't play regularly. And I know in that part of the world, there's a lot of huge college programs that would love to play Notre Dame. I think it's a big deal when Notre Dame plays Michigan State. I know it's a big deal when and if they play Ohio State. But they're the independent, and they get to kind of rotate all the teams they play. And now Notre Dame plays a five-game semi conference schedule with the ACC. They're not a member, but they play five ACC teams a year. They always play Navy. They always play Southern Cal. And then they mix in a few other opponents. But Shea Patterson suiting up for the Maze and Blue. Maze and Blue of Michigan as he takes on Notre Dame in week one. The former Mississippi Rebel Landshark Black Bear now quarterbacking the Wolverines, who don't even have a mascot. See, you, you can have not have a mascot officially and survive college football Mississippi fans. Well, former Mississippi head football coach Ed Orgeron, he is number one at something. Well, that number one is not exactly the thing you want to be number one at. He is the number one guy in the latest coaches' hot seat rankings. The former Ole Miss coach now at LSU is has that dubious honor, and it makes a lot of sense. Orgeron wasn't even the real first choice to be head coach at LSU when he ascended to that job at the end of the 2016 season. 2017 season was ho-hum. There were points in the season that were great for LSU fans, but they lost to Troy State. I mean, how can you lose to the Trojans at home? But they sure did. Now, they fought hard against Alabama. They lost the game. And then they, maybe the most disappointing part of the whole season, we just talked about Notre Dame. LSU blew it against Notre Dame in the bowl game. 
and did not wrap up the season the way they should have and could have. And entering 2018, the Bayou Bengals under Coach Ed Orgeron, they are right now giving the coach his hot seat. He's the number one hot seat. I don't know if that website still exists. There's a website called coacheshotseat.com. Actually, it was run by a guy from Oxford, Mississippi, a former Ole Miss football player. And he he had a great website that had all the gossip about who's firing, who's up next, and who's going to be fired. And it was pretty darn accurate, I must say. Coacheshotseat.com. I, I need to get bored sometime and research that. But, yes, LSU and Coach Ed Orgeron, not exactly what LSU fans want to see to start the season, having their coach listed as the number one coach's hot seat for all of college football. LSU is this is a season where they've got to turn it around and they'll have a chance to do that right out of the gate as they play the Miami Hurricanes September 2nd. And then they play the Lions of Southeastern Louisiana to open up at home that first game of the season on September 2nd, not on Saturday, but on Sunday when they play that night game against the Miami Hurricanes. That will be a neutral site game that will let everybody see exactly how improved LSU is going to be in 2018. And then they start SEC play on the road at Jordan-Hare on September 15th. I think that may be the first major contest of the SEC West versus SEC West in 2018 when you have the Tiger duel on September the 15th. But keep an eye on LSU football 2018. And moving away from the gridiron to the hard court now on the Y'all Show, we'll talk a little NBA for a moment, something we don't often get to, but here in Sportsland yet, we try to pardon the pun, cover the court, and cover the bases. Stephen Curry, the pride of North Carolina, the pride of Davidson College in North Carolina, but a Charlotte area native, he says that he wants to be a Golden State Warrior for his entire career. He admitted that over the weekend, the two-time MVP is destined to stay out in Oakland, and they're moving to San Francisco, I think, next year. They're building a brand new arena out in the Bay Area for the Warriors to move over the bridge to San Francisco should be a much improved situation. But he has a $201 million contract right now that will take him through the 21-22 season. He says he loves the Bay Area. The only reason I go home to Charlotte, he says, is if my sister is getting married or to go to play the Hornets for that one game. So I haven't really been back that much. I haven't put my mind there. And funny you should mention that, Steph. Because, see, as a Charlotte Hornets fan, a disgruntled Charlotte Hornets fan, I was a fan of the original Hornets before they moved to New Orleans, and now the team's been rebranded Hornets again, and Michael Jordan is the owner. Michael Jordan may be the best player in the history of the NBA, but the worst owner, arguably, in the history of the NBA. He has done a bad job leading Charlotte's NBA franchise, and I would love nothing more than for Steph Curry to come play for his hometown team a team that actually employs his daddy. Dale Curry, the Charlotte Hornet great of yesteryear, has been on the TV broadcast as the color analyst for Charlotte Hornets games for years on Fox Sports. And so you may know every year whenever the Hornets and the Warriors get together, Dale goes out there and puts on a shooting exhibition for his son to see, especially if they're playing out west against the Warriors. And I would have loved nothing more than for... Steph Curry, and maybe maybe the cards can be dealt right down the road, and he can end up playing in the Queen City. But Curry is now 30 years old. Golly, he's still got that baby face. 
And 30 is certainly young. Not picking on anybody 30 years old, saying you're old. But, yeah, he would be awesome if he could go back to Charlotte and resurrect a team that needs a resurrection. Charlotte has not been the worst team in the NBA. They just really have been – it's been very hard for them to even make any kind of playoff run. And if they do, they, they're one and done. They, they don't advance. In fact, the best year the Hornets ever had in the old Hornets was the last year they were the original Charlotte Hornets. And they made it to the conference finals, I think it was, before losing. And then they packed up and moved. But they had great support. They had a great arena. They just had a greedy owner. And he moved them to move the franchise to New Orleans for really no reason at all. But I love them. One of the great logos, one of the great color combinations, one of the great uniforms in all of sports. The Charlotte Hornets and Dale Curry. Get your son, Steph, to play for the, your, your old team, if you don't mind. That would be very helpful for, for all of us disgruntled Hornets fans. But because the Hornets are so bad and because Michael Jordan is owner, you never hear from him. And so unless you're living in the bubble of Charlotte, you don't even know that there is an NBA team called the Charlotte Hornets, frankly. They're never on national TV, and you don't see their merchandise anywhere. I can't tell you one time I've seen a person wearing a Charlotte Hornets anything even when I've been in the Carolinas, the Panthers dominate on the apparel side. But it would be good if Michael Jordan found some way to make a trade and get Steph Curry to come back and lead the Charlotte Hornets maybe to a NBA title. That would be something. How about this guy, this Virginia native, Justin Verlander? He earned his 200th career win over the weekend, and the Houston Astros reclaimed sole possession of first place in the American League West. This former Old Dominion University Monarch pitcher has been stellar. Of course, he was with the Detroit Tigers for a number of years and then went over to the Astros in 2017 and led them to the World Series title last year. He is from Madigan Sabo, Virginia. I hope I said that correct. That's where he was born. And Justin Verlander uh, doing fantastic in his career. And this now 35-year-old player is now at 200 wins in his major league career, a career that got started playing for the Detroit Tigers back in 2005. He spent 2005 to 17 with Detroit and then sent to Houston where he's been a force, a seven-time All-Star in major leagues. Justin Verlander, again, his 200th win came over the weekend. Now let's look at some of the standings. We, we said that the Astros were able to soar back on top of the AL East. That's because the opponent they had this weekend that Verlander got the win over, the Oakland A's have really been heating up. And the A's and Astros are right there on top of the AL East. But right now, if, you, if we go to press, the Astros have a very slim lead over Oakland. AL Central, the Cleveland Indians continue to dominate. They're having a great year. They're on the shores of Lake Erie. And in the AL East, the Boston Red Sox continue to have a nice, comfortable lead over the New York Yankees. And the Yankees have been on a little bit of a win streak lately, but the Red Sox still taking the control over the Yanks and the AL East. The Tampa Bay Rays barely over 500. The Rays at 63 and 61 entering Monday's competition. In the National League, looking at the NL West, the Diamondbacks cling to a very narrow lead over the Colorado Rockies. Both of these teams, as well as the Los Angeles Dodgers, all have similar records hovering right around 70 wins on the year. 
And the fun division in the National League right now is the NL Central, where the Cubs, Brewers, even the Cardinals all are fighting for supremacy in the NL Central. And the Cubs have roared back. They now have 71 wins on the season, and they have a very narrow lead over the Brew Crew in the NL Central. And then a close, maybe the closest division race right now at all going is in the National League East, where the Braves and Phillies are duking it out. And we can see that both of these teams are going to go through the month of September fighting it and trying to keep the Nationals from catching fire because the Nationals, in many people's opinion, they're the best team in all of of the National League. So we'll find out if the Braves can prevail and get back to postseason action for the first time in a very long time. And the Phils and Nats also have their say that they want to put forward as the baseball season is winding down. Remember, Postseason play begins right at the start of October, so we're only about a month left of regular season contest and major league action. Should be a lot of fun, especially if you're someone like me who has a team that's got a chance to get back to the postseason for the first time in a long time, and it would be fun to see another pennant go up on the wall at SunTrust Park if the Atlanta Braves can get back to the postseason, maybe even get back to a World Series. Now, as we wind down the month of August and September starts, you know what that means? It means, no, for a sport that we don't really talk about much at all, it kind of becomes center stage, or should I say center court, in the national mindset of sports. And one of those reasons is they take over CBS. (laughs) We're talking about the U.S. Open happening just outside of New York City, and that starts on Monday of next week, August 27th is when the U.S. Open begins, and it lasts all the way until September 9th with both the men and women dueling in, in, in the great area there of New York that is so tennis-friendly, and I don't particularly follow tennis that closely, but this is our national tournament, the U.S. Open for tennis. It's a tough sport, and we've got some real superstars on both sides, both men and women and the U.S. Open competing. So if you like tennis, this is kind of like your Super Bowl about to start. And I'm not kidding. It kind of takes over. I think ESPN has lots of channels. They devote some of their digital channels to U.S. Open coverage. And then you got CBS, I think, has the rights to to the U.S. Open. And all of that happens right before the NFL season starts on CBS. So I guess that's kind of done in a very creative way to mix in tennis before the start of the gridiron season. But, yeah, U.S. Open... Next week when that gets going, if you like ten- tennis, anyone? Yeah, tennis? John McEnroe, I missed the days where he was out there yelling. I don't think we've got too many yellers now, but it should be fun. And I don't know of any superstar we've got from the South that plays tennis, but I should look that up. It would be fun. Of course, this is a sport dominated by Federer and others, Williams, who kind of sort of, I guess, maybe lives in Florida some, but both sisters maybe. I don't know where they live. I know on that Daggum Capital One commercial or which one ever it is you see on TV, she's jogging around South Beach. So she must live down there at some point during the year. But tennis, it will be center of court starting next week on the world landscape of sports. And that's a look at our sports lanyap here on this Tuesday, y'all. When we come back, we will switch over from sports to the sport of grilling and barbecue. The barrister of bodacious barbecue is going to join us. Matt Herons, that's ahead on Y'all with John Raw.
Credit products are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How did I get into credit card debt? A trip to the emergency room. Car repairs. <sighs> Moving expenses. <sighs> There's a million ways to get into credit card debt, but one sure way to start getting out. Avant. Avant offers access to online unsecured loans from $2,000 to $35,000 at competitive rates and no extra charges for paying back early. Over 500,000 customers have experienced the convenience of a loan through Avant. No wonder Avant has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. The application takes minutes, and if approved by 4.30 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, funds are deposited as soon as the next business day. And now Avant will also give you a $50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 4646 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T.com promo code 4646. Avant.com code 4646. Whether you brew the craftiest beer or offer the sharpest haircuts in town. We've got the right business cards to promote what makes your business great at Vistaprint. And right now, we're offering 500 custom cards starting at just $9.99. You can choose everything about your card, the shape, the paper, and you can design it yourself or ask for a little help from our support team. So get the most bang for your... And head to Vistaprint.com to get 500 business cards starting at $9.99. Use promo code 7373 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 7373. The Y'all Show, the show all about the South. I'm your host, John Rawl. Our number is 803-816-1170. And on Twitter, we're at Y'all Show. On Instagram, Y'all Show. Taking over the galaxy, we are Y'all Talk with a Southern accent. And perhaps our most exciting portion of the y'all show each and every week is when we bring on the barrister of bodacious barbecue matt hermans and he's here to talk some grilling he's here to talk some q maybe even get a little pigskin talk from him here on the program today matt welcome back to y'all hey john how are you glad to be back yes it is a big week as we've got college football officially beginning saturday and i gotta get your preview a Prairie View at Rice. That's one of our first games this opening weekend of college football. Who's going to win the big one there in Texas? <laughs> you talk about a clash of the Titans, right? Um, I'm going to I'm going to take Rice. I'm going to take the Owls. Um, they are they're in their home stadium. And it's going to be rocking as much as that stadium can be rocking. It will be, I'm sure, um, to the tune of five or six thousand people. But it's going to be. It's going to be rocking. Prairie View A&M is unfortunate for um, for their program. They're kind of at the bottom of the swag standings just about every other year. Uh, so I uh, I'm going to take the Owls. I think uh, I don't anticipate the the Owls are going to be contenders in their league this year, but uh, I'll take them in that game for sure. Well, the Panthers, as you said, they're having a hard time, and frankly. Matt, maybe not since Michael Strahan was playing in Houston for Texas Southern, 
Why are the two Texas representatives in the SWAC conference so bad? Because that, I don't remember either one of those teams, Texas Southern nor mm -hmm. Prairie View, being a contender in small college football in a long yeah, time. Yeah, they haven't. They haven't really ever been. It's funny, you not to get too far off the topic, but you bring up Michael Strahan. They had a uh, a big, giant billboard uh, in downtown Houston where you uh, you take the exit to go to Texas Southern. They had a Michael Strahan billboard up there like three times the regular size with his arms open talking about Texas Southern um, for many, many years. And that was uh, – <laughs> that's that's certainly their, their – uh, Certainly, their star to come out of there, and he definitely was one. But well, did the, you know did the billboard amplify his gap too, three times as well? You could have kicked a field goal through it, uh, <laughs> and, and maybe with a walk on. I'm telling you, hey, yeah. so, I'm gonna pick on the guy. Here's a guy. You know, I wish people would just stay in their lane. Okay, here's a guy who had everything: Super Bowl champion. New York, yeah. and not only did he win a Super Bowl, he won it for the team in the media capital of the world, New York. So his yeah. life was and still is set. And here he has to go dabbling in television, and it's not sports TV. Michael had to become like Mr. Entertainment Guy, and he's on mm -hmm. ABC. I think I just saw where he's getting a new show on ABC. And, Matt, it, it, it ain't fair. <laughs> yeah he's been on it seems like uh and i'll be honest with you i don't watch a whole lot of non-sporting related tv unless i'm watching barbecue or something like that but i can i know he's been on every show out there it seems like he was the new kathy lee for a period of time was he not yes he was <laughs> I'm, I'm taking away your man card for knowing that hey i can't i can't i can't admit that i saw it but somehow i knew that by uh, osmosis or something but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Texas Southern, Prairie View, NM, not, not names you hear very often at the top of the, the SWAC standing at all. And it's not like the schools are new or aren't established. They've been there for a very long time. I'll tell you this. They're, I think uh, the biggest thing they do every year is the battle of the, uh, the bands um, at uh, Reliance Stadium, uh, Texas Southern and Prairie View every year, which is a big deal. I imagine they get more people turning out for that uh, one uh, the one game there specifically for halftime than they do probably combine the rest of the year at each school. Well, they always say about Prairie View and Texas Southern that it's kind of the opposite of, of a division one game. The people show up late, stay for halftime, leave early. Right. <laughs> well, um, so, well again, we were just teasing. This is the start of college football this weekend. So Matt, go ahead. This is uh, even more of a reason to get that grill ready because there will actually be games that matter. The national game that probably is the most important game going on this weekend in this preseason that's not a preseason is Hawaii <laughs> plays at Colorado State. And have you been following what's going on with former Georgia quarterback Mike Bobo, who's the head coach there in Fort Collins? A, a little bit, yeah. I can tell you that I was uh... – yeah, I know he was – how long was he at Georgia? He had to be there for at least a decade, right? As an assistant, yeah. Correct, correct, yeah. Um, yeah, Colorado State's one of those interesting jobs. Colorado State is, is good fairly often, or at least good enough to – well, shoot, they're good enough to beat Colorado a lot of the time over the last 10 years or so. Just about every time. Just about every time, that's right. But they're, uh, that's one of those programs that uh, will sneak up on you, and they're actually pretty solid every year. they got a pretty decent stadium. And, you know, they're, they, uh, they're always kind of on the outskirts when some – I guess we're kind of past that now, but 
when some of these conferences are talking about expanding, there's somebody always throws a sideways glance at Colorado State. And, you know, bridesmaid uh, so far, not bride, but you know, it's one of those one of those programs is kind of there on the edge. So, um, I think they're uh, I think they're pretty happy with that. I mean, that's a good hire. This is somebody. I mean, he could have stayed. He could have held out maybe for a, an SEC job. He might have been able to hold out for a Division One job, if not in the SEC. Um, and chose to go to Colorado State. Maybe that's for the weather. Maybe it's for the view. Maybe it's because they got a solid program and you didn't have to rebuild. But, uh, uh, you know, I think he's a heck of a coach, to be honest with you. Well, he has been hospitalized. And as of. Oh, pre- I did not hear that. Oh, yeah. You didn't know that? Yeah. He's been hospitalized. No, I we were talking with- generally. No, I thought we were talking about generally. No, I did not know this. You need Breaking to keep up with your Mountain West news. Come on, Matt. You're, break, uh, when this ha- you're breaking news right here for me, John. Now, it happened last week, but he's been in the hospital, no and athletic director Joe Parker said on Monday that Bobo has been transferred from Court- Fort Collins to a hospital in Denver as they continue to seek answers to a medical condition. And it Ooh. all started with some numbness in his feet. So we wish him the best. He's got a game this Ooh. weekend. I'm not sure when a decision may be made if he's going to be coaching the Rams and their opener against Hawaii. But we want to keep this former Georgia Bulldog, Mike Bobo, I guess once a Bulldog, always a Bulldog, but now coaching Colorado State in our thoughts and prayers as his condition, we hope, improves. And maybe he won't be coaching this weekend, but we want him coaching real soon. Oh, man. I agree. Absolutely. All right, let's get into the, the meat of the subject with you, Matthew. And that's grilling, okay? So as we, we've kind of kind of laid out the scene, we've got football right here. You you told us on a previous y'all show what we need to do, but one thing I want to ask is what products are okay to clean a grill as you get ready for the season? Should I go out there with gasoline and and light a fire on my grill, or are there are, are there better products to use? Well, just remember uh, when you so I'll st- I'll say this: cleaning a grill is unlike cleaning dishes or cleaning your car, or cleaning anything else. And that sounds dumb and obvious to say, but <laughs> what, I mean, what I mean is you don't, you clean it, but you don't clean it. You don't, you don't clean it that much. So in other words, I would never, uh, I would never get any type of cleaning chemical or soap anywhere near, uh, the inside or the grates of my grill. I've occasionally just to keep it shined up. I've occasionally used Windex on the outside of it. But when you say clean a grill, um, you really don't – this is not a situation where you're scrubbing it down uh, with any type of soap product. The reason for that is, first of all, you want your you want the grill or the, or the smoker or the pit or whatever you got going on to be seasoned. In other words, you want, you want that soot and you want a level of that carbon buildup on the inside of the grill. Uh, a lot of people believe it gives you a flavor because every, every, uh, every bit of smoke and every bit of uh, – uh, every meat you got in there is bouncing. The heat in the smoke is bouncing off the top and the sides of that grill and coming back into the meat, which is how you get your smoke uh, and your grill flavor for using the lid down anyway. So just imagine every surface inside of that grill is bouncing off some type of air, some type of smoke. It's always touching meat. A lot of times uh, if you're cooking something with a water pan, and this is you get more deep into kind of the methods here, but you'll get steam coming up and then that will kind of formulate occasionally at the top of your, your lid and that will condense and come back down and occasionally drip onto the meat. So no chemicals, no soaps, none of that. The way you want to clean your grill is you want to make sure it is, doesn't have any buildup because um, that'll get moldy. It'll get nasty. You basically want to make sure 
the inside of it is nice and scraped out. Get that charcoal soot out of there when you're done using it. Uh, scrape down the grates you're going to use with a brass grill brush or a uh, steel. I wouldn't recommend steel wool. They started finding steel wool in people's bodies um, <laughs> years ago from from using steel wool on a grill. But you know the the, the, the large bristled brass grill brushes you find just scrape it down so your grill is clean your smoker's clean when there's just not uh, a ton of leftover juices and sauces and marinades all over there but never 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 any chemicals never any soap at all you want to keep that thing pure and smoky and charcoal well i'll keep that in mind so for someone like me who I guess I like the easy route. If I haven't really used my grill that much, it sounds like it, I don't have to just go clean it just because I haven't used it in a while. No, no. You open it up, there's no spider webs in there. It doesn't look gross. You're probably good. Now, again, that grill, the grill brush is good. You can you can brush off some of the excess um, soot and things from the out from the inside uh, under the grill. You don't want that necessarily flaking off and getting on your food when you're cooking. But that's about it. You scrape it down, get that layer of soot. Scrape down your grates. You're going to use. Uh, you're going to put your food onto, um, and as long as there's nothing uh, apparently visible, it, you're good to go. It's not something you need to clean. So I know some people um, are more, you know, are more serious about cleaning things than others. And I've actually known some folks that will take their grates off and run it through a dishwasher, um, something like that. Uh, I find that to be totally unnecessary, and I would imagine uh, most people. Um, who, especially if you're using a smoker all the time, they just don't do that. I'll tell you this, that, that'll rust out your grates faster than anything else running through a dishwasher. Well, what about using a garden hose? Yeah, if you got to have water, for sure. Yeah, if you just want to get on there and scrub away, yeah, for sure, you can do that. Just make sure, you know, if you're going to use any type of cleaning stuff, I would use something that you're not worried about possibly getting in your mouth later. <laughs> so something that's, that's not chemical-based and... Uh, you know, scrub away, absolutely scrub away with the garden hose. But if you've got cast iron grates, uh, you want to heat those up or oil them afterwards because those will rust out if you get them wet, as most people know who use cast iron skillets. And if you've got stainless, uh, that should be fine. If you've got porcelain grates, you want to make sure those are dried off as well. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, – yeah, I would never put any – again, no soap, no chemicals. I would never do that because everything comes off that grate's going in your mouth. What if you're a real germaphobe and you want to clean out not the actual grill part, the – the what is it called the, the stuff that has the little silver stuff that the meat sits on but underneath there the catcher what if you want to clean that part out yeah yeah i do well yeah i do that every once in a while i don't want um the more you use a grill and i guess we'll kind of just use a like a kettle style charcoal grill as a um, as an example but that we would make it would translate to gas or anything else the guts underneath we'll get a buildup you'll have meat drippings down there you'll have things like that um, you want to keep that clean to the extent that you want to scrape it off and brush it off because excess uh, grease and things like that, specifically on a gas grill, excess grease buildup will can cause a flame up. It can cause a fire, and that'll, that'll ruin your, your steak or your burger quicker than, than anything else if you catch a fire down there. But, yeah, the word clean is kind of relative because, no, I would not, I would not scrub that with any type of soap and water theoretically i guess it's possible but again you're you you don't want to heat up soap and, and in any way shape or form get in there but yeah, clean it off by scraping it down with some metal or a brass grill brush and it is clean sufficiently when you've got uh when you've got no build up and no big greasy um you know 
stuff that's ready to catch on fire. You scrape that down into a little pan, you get rid of the pan, and you're ready to roll. Now, remember, everything in that grill has already been heated up to four or 500 degrees for a long period of time. So there's nothing in there that's living. It's basically charcoal <laughs> at that point. Nothing, nothing is going to live through that. It's like, uh, it's like a giant autoclave for, uh, for everything in there. So you're good to go. Just keep the grease to a minimum, keep it scraped out so you don't get a fire and you're ready to roll, man. Well, I have called you up until this interview, Mr. Matt, Mr. Matt Hermans, but I'm going to have to rename you to Miss Martha. You're Miss Martha. <laughs> you're Miss Martha because you're like the Martha Stewart of cleaning, and I love it. Uh, see, I was hoping, I was hoping you'd go more of a Mr. Clean range there. Uh, you know, the bald and the you know, yeah, well built. But hey, you know, whatever. I'll yeah. take Martha. Well, I've been to Alabama with a banjo on my knee, but Matt Hermans has been to Alabama, and he came back not with a banjo, but with some barbecue. And when we come back from this time out on the Y'all Show. We're going to get Matt to tell us about two great spots that he discovered in the heart of Dixie, and he'll tell us all about it. Sweet Home Alabama, Sweet Home Barbecue. That's ahead on the Y'all Show. The Samsung Galaxy Note 9 has arrived at Sprint. For a limited time, get the super-powerful new Samsung Galaxy Note 9 at 50% off with a Sprint Flex lease. It's the fastest Note ever, and you can get it on a network built for unlimited. The Samsung Galaxy Note 9 is also perfect for gaming. Take your Fortnite skills to a new level with the largest battery ever seen in a Note. Along with a 6.4-inch edge-to-edge infinity screen and stereo speakers, Galaxy Note 9 also features a smarter camera and a mightier S Pen with remote control. Make the switch to Sprint right now and get the Samsung Galaxy Note 9 at 50% off with a Sprint Flex lease. Plus, get annual upgrades with Galaxy Forever. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com slash Samsung, or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Note 9, 2083 per month after 2084 per month. Credit applied within two bills. Requires new line and 18-month lease. Early termination results and remaining balance due. Upgrade after 12 lease payments. Offer coverage not available everywhere. Excludes taxes. Requires qualifying plan. Subject to credit. $30 activation fee and restrictions apply. Ah, the sounds of summer. And this is the sound of summer skin being scratched because of the itching and irritation of what the season can bring. You need the fast relief of Cortisone 10 Intensive Healing Anti-Itch Cream. Unlike regular lotions, Cortisone 10 relieves itch and irritation with 1% hydrocortisone, the strongest non-prescription itch medicine, plus seven healing moisturizers. Cortisone 10 makes summer sound fun again. Cortisone 10. Feel the heal. Use as directed. Hi, I'm Jessica Alba, entrepreneur and mom. When it comes to helping students succeed, I'm all in. And so is Staples. That's why I'm teaming up with Staples for Students and DonorsChoose.org, the charity that helps teachers bring learning to life. Join us by donating in-store or online at staplesforstudents.com. Your donation will help local teachers make a difference for their students because every kid deserves a great start this school year. And the Y'all Show is returning for our final segment of this Tuesday Y'all. John Rawl now with my old pal Matt Hermans, the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue. We're going to close out today's show talking some barbecue. And Matt, you and I have been to Alabama together, at least on one occasion I know of, but I know you've been there 
more than once in your life. And I wanted to ask you your take on the state of Alabama when it comes to barbecue. How does it hold up? Well, there is uh, there's certainly no shortage of barbecue joints in Alabama. Um, the places I've been to, I enjoy. There's kind of a variety uh, in Alabama. You have oh, it's it's. We were in Mississippi a week ago, and we talked about pecan wood, and we talked about hog wings, and we talked about Pepsi Cola glaze, and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, so Alabama's more what you would call. Well, I don't say traditional barbecue is, is a tradition based thing, but Alabama, you're going to find hickory. You're going to actually find a lot of places, um, in Alabama that literally load up giant logs, burn them down to coal, and that's it with no salt, no, no, no pepper, no rub, no nothing. There's, there's a, there's a tradition of just putting meat in there and letting the smoke, um, season it all together. And I think that, while maybe not unique to Alabama, that's something that, that you don't see a whole lot of other places, I don't think. There's usually a rub, there's an injection, you get real fancy, there's a mop. Uh, but somehow that, those, those green, people like the green hickory logs, those burn for a long time, and then you just throw that pork shoulder in there with, uh, uh, with just, just the smoke to season it, and I feel like that, that's something that's fairly unique to Alabama, and that's not every place, but that's some places. So, other than that, it's hickory, it's pork, ribs uh, across the south it, it, you know all kinds of meats are starting to get in other words you can find a ton of pork in texas you can find beef in alabama at this point in time so that's all kind of mixing together but still pork still ribs and then you got some unique you got a unique little area and i'm going to talk about that here in a second but you got you got a certain kind of sauce that really only exists in alabama and let me take a guess as a guy who used to live on the north side of the Tennessee River in Alabama, which means North Alabama, Huntsville, Decatur. I bet you're going to tell me you found a place in Decatur, Alabama to talk about. You know, you're right, John. <laughs> you're right. I want to talk about uh, Big Bob Gibson's and the world-famous white barbecue sauce. You said uh, white, right? Not light. White. white. Yeah. White. Yeah, I throw the H in there. White barbecue sauce. And uh it is, um, it's unique. I, as far as I know, uh, Alabama is the only place that really does the white barbecue sauce, and that's only in a limited area. This is not something, other than somebody maybe playing tribute to the Alabama sauce, the only place I know of that you can get that type of sauce. Um, and it's primarily uh, a chicken deal. So uh, have you ever had the white sauce? Bro? I have. All right. How would, I would describe it this way. And I'll and I'll I'll talk a little bit more about Big Bob's, but since the sauce is why most people go there, I would say I would describe it as a kind of a a thinner, uh, more vinegar heavy ranch dressing. How would you describe it? I don't know how to describe it. I I, I, I didn't live it about. I lived yeah. I lived a fifteen minute ride from Decatur, and I never after having it once, I didn't break my neck to go back and have it. Yeah, yeah, I, it yeah. wasn't because it was bad. It's just it wasn't that amazing to me because there was yeah. another place not far from there that had a vinegar style barbecue that was kind of famous too. But on this show, we like to spotlight all of our southern barbecue options, and yes, and and that is a great deal to have a white barbecue sauce. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's it's unique. Um, it is it is interesting it's tangy like i say to me it's it's almost like a like a thin vinegary ranch dressing type thing and the funny thing is is that it's really 
It's really only made for chicken, and they really only do with chicken. And the funny thing is, I'm sure you know, they, they dunk the chicken. They'll take the half of the chicken and they dunk it in the sauce. And it basically kind of almost rolls off. So by the time you get the chicken, there's just a little bit of that sauce on there because it rolls off like a, like a duck back. But you get a little side of it. Um, again, chicken is not, uh, it's not my top, you know, top three meats barbecue, but people like chicken. I like chicken fine. And it's good with the chicken. I don't, I'm not sure it'd be good with anything else, but it's great with the chicken. It's kind of a unique flavor. It's very, very thin. You can really sop it up. Uh, as well there the one thing about big bob's nobody ever talks about and this is a place that's on tv quite a bit i'm sure a lot of people listening have seen it or heard of it is their ribs are good they they make they they do their ribs are are the best thing there in my opinion um really nice really tender old-fashioned hickory smoke very simple rub cooked well um sauce on the side so you can eat them dry if you like them that way but really straightforward spare ribs so a little bit fattier than the babies, which I like. You get that, you get that good cook on those spares, and they start getting buttery and, and delicious. I, I'm a big fan of. I like their ribs. I enjoy the white sauce. I think it's cool. It's a cool place, uh, but I like the. I think their ribs are an underrated uh, little feature there. At big Bob's. Well, speaking of ribs, and speaking of Alabama, there is another place that I bet I know exactly where you're going to pick to be your second highlighted spot in Alabama for barbecue. I bet, I bet, yeah, I bet we're on the same page. I feel like I'm going way too obvious with this, John. You're not having any trouble guessing where I'm going. Well, uh, I'm not going to question <laughs> you because I, I completely agree. If it's if you and I are on the same barbecue page, and that would be a certain place called Dreamland Ribs. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm talking about the one in Tuscaloosa, absolutely. The original one on the, the south one. side of I-20, 59. It would be up on like a hill. Yeah, that's that's amazing. There there are there are a lot of Dreamland barbecue franchises now, uh, but it's always the best to go to the original in every way, shape, or form. Yeah. So, as as the name uh, kind of hints at, uh, the the official name is Dreamland Barbecue Ribs. So, I mean, you don't really have to guess <laughs> what they're famous for. Now, they do have other meats. They have pork, and I think they even have beef there, and. They have some wings and other things, but I mean, you go there to get ribs, right? And you white bread. There, Remember, and that. white bread. I was about to say, you go there fifty percent for the ribs, fifty percent for the white bread, and really, it's all about the sauce at Dreamland, which is one of the one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it. Okay. Uh, not a lot of, you know, we talk barbecue. Uh, there's a whole long, uh, long tradition of people arguing about you know, sauce or no sauce or sauce on the side and no, not too much sauce and sauce covers up meat and blah, 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 blah. And you can talk about that specifically in Memphis as well. But across, I think there's all kinds of different things, glaze, sauce, dry, rubbed, whatever. Dreamland is, is about the sauce. In my opinion, the, the, the sauce is fantastic. Um, it's not, it's the perfect texture, perfect consistency, just to kind of, Get all over your face, which is why you want to go to Dreamland. And then you want to, then when you get it off, uh, you get the ribs off the tray, then you want to sop it all up with the white bread, or you want to get some of that rib meat off on the white bread and just use that as like a sponge for that sauce, which they dump all over the ribs, which is, uh, the way you get them, right? You order the rib and they got the sauce dumped all over them, which is why you're there in the first place. So, uh, I'm a big fan. This is, this is one of those places where you, you really do just want to dump everything in that sauce, get it all over your face, and make sure you got plenty of napkins. 
because it's good. Uh, they do the, the way they cook the ribs a little bit different. Some up from some of the other places we've talked about is they cook them a little more what we call competition level doneness. Really? Okay? Which means uh, they got a little texture to them. Now, I would not call I would not call them underdone. I would call them right on. If you're in a rib competition, that's exactly where you want them. You actually have to put your teeth through it, pull it off the bone, and, and the shape of the meat is basically the shape of your tooth mark. That's what we call competition-level doneness. I typically like uh, ribs a little bit a little bit more cooked than that, which, which means a little bit softer. But these work. There's so much, uh, like I say, you, you love the sauce so much here. And it's such a high-quality rib, in my opinion, that a little bit of chew, a little bit of bite just makes the, the eating experience that much better. Um, so it's unique in the way they're cooked um, because at Big Bob's, we talked about earlier, it's going to be closer to that, not falling off, but it's going to be past the level of that competition. But Dreamland hits it right on uh, the competition level. And a lot of people like that. It makes for a little bit juicier rib as opposed to a softer rib. Um, so it's all it's all um, fairly subjective on, on what – texture you like the ribs but these are that these are that texture and i think with the sauce all over those you just get a mess of ribs there's no reason to mess with anything else in my opinion um yeah it's good yeah tons of bread just give me a loaf and and bread we're talking about a sandwich bread it's just plain white sandwich bread they've got unlimited amounts when you order your ribs and uh it is an unbelievable mix and i love it love it it's really good it's that good old depending on where you're from it's either sunbeam or it's mrs baird's or Whatever it is, it's the same. Yeah, it's exactly. It's that white bread that's basically a sponge for everything you put it on. <laughs> and it's a napkin for your hands, and then you can eat the napkin. I mean, it's the best that, thing. That, I'm going to silence you. I've got to go to Dreamland right now. Dreamland Barbecue, <laughs> they put Tuscaloosa, Alabama on the map. Not some football <laughs> not some football team that calls themselves the Crimson Tide. It's Dreamland is what Tuscaloosa is famous for. And those are great deal. Big Bob Gibson's in Decatur and Dreamland in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Matt, I've got to educate you on one place, though. You need to put this on your to-do list as we spotlight Alabama barbecue. If you ever get a chance to go to the Shoals, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, go to Florence, Alabama's Bunyan's Barbecue, and they have a great Mm. rib and a great barbecue that's got some great coleslaw that goes along with it. Uh, I've had it once and can't wait to go back, but... We'll talk about them some other time after you have a chance to do some crack research on Bunyan's Barbecue in Florence, home of the UNA Lions. Matt Hermans, thank you very much for another unbelievable report on the Barrister's Barbecue Report today. I can't wait to hit, hit another uh, <laughs> another one of the southern states next week and talk about some more barbecue. I never get tired of it. Well, we are looking forward to it, Matt Hermans. And that will conclude the Y'all Show for today. Tune in on Wednesday. We've got plenty of country music talk. We've got plenty of ACC football talk and more. You don't want to miss it. Thanks for listening to Y'all with John Rawl. We'll see you tomorrow. Credit products are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How did I get into credit card debt? A trip to the emergency room. Car repairs. 
Moving expenses? There's a million ways to get into credit card debt, but one sure way to start getting out. Avant. Avant offers access to online unsecured loans from $2,000 to $35,000 at competitive rates and no extra charges for paying back early. Over 500,000 customers have experienced the convenience of a loan through Avant. No wonder Avant has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. The application takes minutes, and if approved by 4.30 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, funds are deposited as soon as the next business day. And now Avant will also give you a $50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 4646 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T.com, promo code 4646. Avant.com, code 4646.